So the name of this podcast is It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. That's, you know, that's a play on It's Always Sunny in, in Philadelphia, right? That's our that's our favorite. That's team. our thing. It's, that's uh, our thing. It seemed like a natural fit for us being fans of the show, fans of the Chiefs. It celebrates us, celebrates Sunny, celebrates the Chiefs. Do you think <laughs> do you think Odyssey is a listener of the program? Because they've got this thing. Um, it's kind of crazy. It's called It's Always Game Day in blank. And uh, recently came to our attention that there's going to be a new Chiefs podcast in Kansas City uh, called It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. And when I first heard about this, of course, we were offended. We thought that maybe we were we were getting scammed. Uh, it turns out that, that there are dozens of these podcasts all over the United States. And now I'm worried that we're going to have to sue this multinational corporation odyssey for stealing our shit well i don't i'm not worried about if we're gonna have to because that sounds like a giant payday to me and that seems pretty pretty sweet uh i will say though you know literally it is always sunny in chief's kingdom one of the reasons that it works for our pod is because the name literally makes sense right yes it's always sunny because everything's great because the chiefs kick ass it's not always game day no it's not it's not what are they doing I don't know. And, you know, the thing about the name of the podcast, which is, of course, the best thing about our podcast is the name. Sure. Not that the rest of the podcast is great, but the <laughs> but name of the podcast sells itself. It's always sunny in Chief's Kingdom. You hear that, you know what it's all about. doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you've seen the show. You won't mm-hmm. get some of the references on the podcast, but the vibe is there and you get it. It's not always game day in Kansas City. It's not always game day in any of these cities, I, especially if this is going to be an NFL-themed podcast. There's one NFL game per week, per team, per city. It doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. Welcome into It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. Here with me as always with my co-host Taylor at Taylor underscore wit. We're brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network at PigskinPodNet. New sponsor, Ray J and his headphones. We love them. Amazing. Buy those headphones. You can get your Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom merchandise through our friends at DabBodT, DabBodT.com, on Twitter at DabBodT. Check out our partners, DraftKings. They're everywhere. You know them. You love them. And Underdog Fantasy. That's one where you can personally benefit us by using our promo code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, to get a matching deposit up to your first $100, which, again, do the math, $100 plus $100. That's $100 you get for free that you're probably going to lose to Underdog, but maybe you'll win, and then you'll get free money. We also have a very exciting contest that will be concluding this week. Taylor, tell our listeners, for those that do not know or maybe first-time listeners, what I'm talking about. So this one's been a lot of fun. Uh, we decided that we wanted to give something back to the listeners because they have been loyal, fantastic. We wanted to celebrate the listeners. We wanted to celebrate them. Nothing was more apparent than our listeners are awesome than the reaction to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City news, which was just mob mentality. And I, I got to say, it felt felt good to be loved. Uh, so we wanted to show some of that love back. And we decided that we would take some of our podcast money that we get from 
DK and from Underdog and all of our fun. Yeah, all sponsors of our amazing and, sponsors. We're just and you know, we're loaded. We're flushing. We're cash. turning them. We're turning it into an official Chiefs jersey from the team shop that we are giving away to one lucky listener. So throughout the last month, we have been. I we have a tweet that's out there that everyone's been quote tweeting. You can click on my Twitter bio and check my pin tweet, and that's going to be our contest tweet. And one quote tweet every day gets another raffle ticket entered into this contest, and. It's going to end Friday night at midnight, and then Saturday night we are going to announce the lucky winner of the jersey. They get to pick their favorite player from the team shop, the red jersey, the white jersey, whatever they want, and we are going to send it to their door. Now, we have another little promo that we want to roll in here because we've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got we've got different promotions and different things that were, you know, little games and schemes that we're participating in. <laughs> Our latest little scheme is that we would really like to win an award for this podcast. We tried last year. Our amazing listeners, Birds of War, got us into second place, runner-up. I'm talking, of course, about The Pitch, Kansas City's best local podcast. I, It's not technically a competition, but it is to us. Yeah, we want to win. You kidding me? So go to thepitchkc.com, arts and entertainment, best local podcast, vote for It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. And if you do that, and you can show proof of that to Taylor, how many extra raffle tickets are we going to give people for this? Because I feel like... I mean, how many raffle tickets is that worth? Two, three, well, one? You so the, decide. It's your deal. Content. Is it is we are recording this Wednesday night. We will post late Wednesday, early Thursday, and you've got Thursday and Friday. So you really only have two days between listening to this and going to vote. However, that should be plenty of time for our loyal Birds of War. And so, if you've already voted, fortunately, when you go back to the voting screen for a second time, it still has the bubble marked in for it. It's always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I assume that's the one you voted for. And so if you have already voted or if you have not voted yet, either way, have send me a screenshot on Twitter of the vote page on the Pitch KC, and I will give you two additional uh, raffle tickets. So that means you get one for every quote tweet every 24 hours two for a pitch KC vote between now and Friday night at midnight. And we also give away five additional tickets for a review that would be the same process. You take a screenshot of the review, either on Spotify or on Apple music or Apple podcasts. And you send me that screenshot that says that you have reviewed. It's always Sunny in chief's kingdom. And we will give you more entries into the Jersey. There are a ton of them so far we're up to over 500 total raffle tickets given away over 100 people have entered um it's going to be a, a great time i'm going to feel horrible because so many people have quote tweeted this thing literally every day of the contest like 21 20 times and we can only give it to one of you guys so the rest of you just know that we love you yeah and it's a raffle so you know the fact that you've entered it every day while it certainly improves your chances it's not a guarantee that you're going to win it could be somebody that's only entered it one time and i hope that it's one of the people that's entered it every day because that would be just and it would be fair but you know what raffles are not fair life's not fair deal with it but listen you know what that means is that if you have not participated in this contest at all you still have two days probably about a day and a half by the time this podcast hits Mm -hmm. the airwaves to join the contest and you could still win because at Certainly. the end of the day it is random chance and you know random chance can carry you far in this world we got a great show for you guys today we've got news we've got a mailbag we're just cleaning out uh, our mailbag not not completely cleaning it out we've got some stored away for the the long winter but it's football season baby and we're going to close this episode out the preview of week one of the 2022 nfl season chiefs at cardinals Football's it's here. First, let's get into the 
It's game week, Taylor, which means it's time to start this news, news, news segment off with the injury report. And we're recording this on Wednesday night. We normally record on Thursdays, but just to give you guys a peek behind the curtain, we are both going to be watching Thursday Night Football, Bills at Rams tomorrow night. So we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's going to be a banger. Injury report on Wednesday. Great news for the Chiefs. Only four players listed on the injury report. For the Chiefs, they all practiced in full. Nobody limited, nobody out. Safety Deion Bush has a foot injury. He practiced in full. Defensive end Malik Herring has an abdomen injury. He practiced in full. Right guard Trey Smith, shoulder injury, practiced in full. Wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, knee injury, practiced in full. It's week one, but boy, it is nice to see everybody at full strength, especially compared to the Cardinals, who we'll talk about at the end of this segment. Man, no joke. It's so good to get into the season and not have any devastating injuries or anything, even that's lingering on a couple guys. I mean, you know, I would say 90% of all seasons, you're going to start off with some type of of injury that's at least going to set somebody back a little bit. And it's just such, it's a great way to start the year. Speaking of injuries that have set people back, our favorite injury prone team, the Los Angeles chargers have an $82 million man cornerback, JC Jackson, who's not expected to play in week one against the Raiders because he is recovering from offseason surgery. And so it's not clear as of Wednesday what his availability will be like for this week, but it sounds like he will be out. That is the early reports that he will not play this week against the Raiders. And the Chiefs are playing the Chargers one week from tomorrow on Thursday Night Football in week two. So it's unclear what his status will be for week two. But if he doesn't play in week one, I mean, we're, we're, talking, about a, we're talking about a three-day turnaround for mm-hmm. the Chiefs or for the Chargers to – and I – The game is at Arrowhead, correct? They're traveling to Kansas City. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about a short week on the road. If he doesn't play in week one, even if he plays in week two, he's not going to be 100%. Classic Chargers. At Classic Chargers, too, in the way that this happened, which was, you know, it's an ankle injury on a star cornerback, a free agent, $82 million man, and they wanted – They presumably gave a physical two when they signed him. (laughs) Correct. And they desperately wanted to not have him – have surgery all offseason. They knew about it since the moment he walked in the building. And they kept, according to the beat writers and stuff that I've read, they kept pushing it off and hoping it would get better and and giving it, you know, every treatment other than surgery. And then the season was fast approaching and they were like, uh, we probably got to put this guy under the knife and clean up his ankle a little bit. And so it's just very, it's not just that he twisted it in the practice the week before the season, which would have been very classic chargers anyway, to just have something pop up. But no, it's more than that. It's that they bungled it the way they bungle everything. And I just love seeing the chargers charger this early. This is what you're saying is this is more akin to a doctor trying to Punctured. give the quarterback a shot <laughs> yeah, that's what I was and doing. accidentally puncturing his lung or his yeah. heart or whatever organ Tyrod Taylor had punctured by the team doctor. That's what you're saying. That yeah, this- but that one ended up good for the Chargers. So oh, that's true. That's you know, true. Hopefully imagine, uh, imagine they don't have Justin a quarterback riding the bench because right? they had accidentally stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the heart trying to give him a shot. Anyway, turning to the Chiefs. Uh, they had their opening season week one presser today, and you listed a couple of fun quotes here that jumped out from new Chiefs wide receiver practicing in full this week, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know I came here to win, to win a Super Bowl, and I felt like this was the best fit for me. The coaches, my teammates, the staff, and obviously you guys, referencing the media. Aww. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. he definitely is, is, you know, making a lot of friends, and that's his personality. You can tell that he's really um, a guy that everybody kind of – likes to root for and especially if you've talked to him and you're not just a rando that hates any kid that does tiktoks or whatever on on twitter i mean as long as 
you know, you've interacted with Juju, I feel like uh, he wins people over really easily. And I just love that nobody ever shouts out the media ever. You, you, I mean, you never see somebody say something like the fit here was great. The coaches, teammates, staff, and you guys like that's, he lumped them in with everyone else that's important in that operation. And I just thought that was really indicative of his mindset. It's a classy move. It's a classy move because uh, most people, when they call out the media, are not doing it in a positive way. But you right. know what? Media's got a job to do, too. I include us in that. We're, we're sort of fringe media members. But, you know, <laughs> thanks, Juju. I appreciate that. Uh, another one here that you listed, that's something I'll be helping out with. All the touchdown celebrations. I got to do them quick, though, because we score a lot here. He is going to fit right in. Right? I mean, he's, it was a little bit of pandering, but I love it. That's what you got to do. It's It's fun. He's going to be pandering on Sunday when he's scoring some tutties, doing the celebrations. Mm -hmm. It's going to be amazing. Uh, one more item before we kind of move on to cleaning out the mailbag here, and that is the unofficial depth chart that was released today. Obviously, this is unofficial, but it is put out by the team. I don't know if you saw what happened with the Steelers. Did you hear about what happened? Yeah, with the depth they, chart? it was a clerical error clerical that they error. listed Kenny Pickett above Mason Rudolph in their quarterback depth chart, and they let it sit for like, I don't know, over a day before they finally fixed it. Really yeah, dumb. before somebody asked Mike Tomlin about it and he had to call out whatever poor intern put that together. So anyway, <laughs> I thought intern. it would be yeah, exactly right. Not sticking around uh, anymore. He's 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 gone. He's done. So uh, I thought it would be fun to just take a look at the step chart because there are some surprises here. And, you know, week one, obviously, is the ultimate arbiter of what the depth chart really is. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the official depth chart is when we get into the game on Sunday and we see what the snap counts are and who's getting a lot of run. But uh, first one that I had was Ronald Jones. He's listed as the running back four behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jerick McKinnon, and Isaiah Pacheco, which isn't really surprising in light of the fact that we all sort of thought that he would be the last guy of those four running backs. What's surprising about that is that he's on the team at all. The fact that he made the team, I guess I felt like by making the team, he probably was going to end up higher on the depth chart, um, especially since Andy came out and said last week that they likely will not have all four running backs active on game day. And Isaiah Pacheco, we'll talk about him uh, later on, but he's listed as kick returner one. So, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, even though he's third on the depth chart, is likely going to be active because it sounds like he's going to be their primary kick returner. CEH and McKinnon are, you know, the top two backs. You know, they're the one-two punch. It seems like Ronald Jones is like, I mean, why is he on the team? That's that's what's surprising to me about this position on the depth chart. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I, I was a little surprised he made the team initially. And it just kind of feels like that. I mean, I know you mentioned this on Twitter, but like the Shady McCoy role where he's like on the roster, but never used and never active and never just kind of he's just there. And I just don't know if Ronald Jones really offers a lot to the point where you would want him. I, I, I just don't get it. I think that there are a couple positions, namely wide receiver that could really use some extra bodies. And it'd be one thing if they just kind of were sitting there like, well, there's really nobody else that could really contribute much to the offense anyway. But I mean, I'm sure Doris Fountain is looking at um, at Ronald Jones being on the roster and being like, God damn it, you're, you're costing me a lot of money by just sitting there doing nothing. And yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, it does seem a little unfair. I, I wonder how long it's going to last. Yeah. Um, it does kind of feel like one of those early season things that as soon as they need to make any type of roster move at all, he's clearly the first one on the chopping block. And I would expect that to happen quickly. Yeah, speaking of uh, places that they could use extra bodies, Nick Allegretti is listed as the backup left guard. 
He's also the backup center, and he's also the backup right guard. So <laughs> he is number two on the depth chart at each of those positions. Not necessarily surprising, again, given the state of the roster and how it was constructed. We talked about that last week. But I guess it sort of just underscores the surprising nature of how this lineup and this roster was constructed. Because, again, I mean, they have – they obviously, they have Austin Ryder on the practice squad. They were able to bring him back that was a recent change to the practice squad rules where you can have veterans on there and guys with quite a bit more service time. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, would you rather have like a backup interior offensive lineman or Ronald Jones on the roster? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd rather have basically anyone on the roster other than Ronald Jones. Sure. It just feels like he's completely unnecessary. He doesn't have a skill set that the other guys don't possess. He just is kind of there. I mean, I, we don't have much of a, of a loyalty to Ronald Jones either as fans. And so part of that is just me being like, well, he's never really done much for me. It's not like this yeah, is, you know, and a guy that's aging out of there that we've all loved forever. And they've got to keep around for, you know, sentimental reasons or whatever. Like he's just Ronald Jones, just, just send him packing. I don't get it. Well, let's turn to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, this was a little bit of a surprise A defensive end, uh, specifically a left defensive end. This list of starters, Mike Dana. And George Karloftis is listed as the primary backup here. And I I kind of get this. Uh, Mike Dana was actually the starting left defensive end in week one last year. We'll talk mm -hmm. about that when we preview week one, uh, because I have a list of, you know, the starters and changeover from year to year, from last year to this year. But it doesn't seem like it's just kind of a rookies pay their dues kind of thing, because Leo Chanel is listed as a starter at linebacker. We'll talk about him next. And Trent McDuffie is listed as a starter at cornerback. And I get that those positions are thin and, you know, there's only four, four linebackers on the roster. So like yeah. Leo Chanel is sort of a starter by the spot. There's three linebacker positions and four guys, but George Karloftis, uh, is George Karloftis really the backup? I mean, is Mike Dana really the starter? Is that who who's going to have more snaps in week one? I think Mike Dana is the starter. I think they mm -hmm. feel really good about him. I think Karloftis, played with the twos or at least the second second rotation of defensive linemen all training camp all preseason he didn't start a game he didn't I mean he's been behind Dana the entire time and I think that's their plan and you know I mean he's a first round pick and you know the profile of a first round pick is usually you probably expect them to be able to go out there and start right away but I think they really like what Dana's done and I don't think that they felt comfortable after he put in a year of good work and everything to just immediately slot him behind a rookie just because the rookie was drafted high. So sure. I, I expect Mike Dana at least now the other thing is though, if Karloff, this is a beast, which we, you know, certainly have high expectations for him. He can play his way above Dana and then he earns it. And then Dana doesn't feel bad because he knows Karloff, this is beasting and everybody's, everybody's happy. But I think starting the year out like this, you know, the other rookies, th there's not really a veteran that deserves it in front of them. So they make sense to slot in. Um, but I just feel like Dana's earned his spot right here until he, until he gets taken. Yeah. So speaking of rookies that are slotted in, I mentioned Leo Chanel. He's listed as the starter at strong side linebacker, the Sam linebacker position with 33 year old defensive end slash outside linebacker, Carlos Dunlap listed as the backup. Uh, the Chiefs only have four linebackers on the roster. They did move Blake Bell to IR this week, or they will be doing that. They still have not made a corresponding move. Andy was asked about that today, and he kind of said, like, 
we'll see. We'll get it figured out. It's going to be Elijah Lee. It's got to be, right? They they had said it was going to be Elijah Lee, but I feel like if it was going to be Elijah Lee, they would have done it already. Like, (laughs) Yeah, what do they gain by not bringing him up right right now? And and they literally did come out and say, like, Elijah Lee's coming back up when we put Blake Bell down, but then they took their sweet time putting Blake Bell on IR. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that they procedurally could have done days before they actually did it. And they haven't made a corresponding move. So as of right now, the Chiefs are only carrying four linebackers makes sense. I guess that Chanel would be starting, but that's a little bit of a surprise considering that he wasn't getting, you know, a whole lot of run with the first team in uh, training camp or the preseason either. I don't expect him to start on Sunday. I expect Elijah Lee to start. And just based on how every, how everybody ran so far in camp and in, in preseason and stuff. Um, I, I know that they had to list somebody at Sam. And so that's where they list Chanel. But I think that, I think they're going to bring Lee up. And he's going to start there on Sunday. Now we'll see how they handle it, but that's my, I would anticipate the first time that there's now they might even start off with just gay and Bolton out there. Sure. Might not even have a third linebacker to start. Right. Uh, But if they do start on their first series or, or play or whatever with three linebackers, I expect that to be Elijah Lee. So we have to talk about special teams. Obviously the, the three specialists are who they are, but the (laughs) return, the return depth chart, is uh is interesting um and i use the word interesting to describe it because punt returner one is listed as mccall hartman and amazon prime baby yeah number two is trent mcduffie number three is sky Moore. both of whom you know they, they flashed they popped a little bit in the preseason um in the limited duties that they had a punt returner we couldn't have found a better punt returner one than mccall hartman I, I don't ever need to see McColl return another punt. I don't know about you. I just, I don't need to see it. I wonder if this has something to do with the risk factor of a punt returner and of the three players that you listed who are all three the most qualified on the roster to return punts. I think they're maybe listed in reverse order of importance. And yeah, maybe. And I mean, you know, I think if McDuffie or Sky Moore, maybe they're tied. But if either of them got hurt returning kicks and then now you don't have a starting cornerback or you don't have your your dynamic, you know, rookie slot wide receiver, I think that's a huge blow. And if Hardman gets banged up back there, it just kind of feels like, I mean, no offense to the guy, but like that's just not as big of a deal. And so I think they looked at the talent that they had. And plus, you've got to, you know, something said to be said for experience and Hardman has much more experience returning punts than either of the other guys. So I think they just are okay with it being Hardman. Now you're, you're probably right that, you know, if they had been targeting some type of talent in the off season to return punts, then they probably could have come up with someone better than McCole Hardman. Sure. But it seemed like that was ever a priority for anybody. I mean, they didn't even draft anybody that, had a lot of college experience doing it. So they didn't, and they didn't sign anybody in free agency that had experience doing it. So never once did they go out there and say, we've got to bring a new guy in to return punts. So they must just be fine with it being McColl. Yeah. Kick returner. It's Isaiah Pacheco's kick returner one, as I mentioned, and Sky Moore is kick returner two. So, (laughs) you know, those are obviously both rookies. Pacheco certainly seems like kick returner is going to be one of the ways that he can make an impact early on. You know, if Mm -hmm. you're a rookie uh, special teams is obviously a way that you can impact the game for Pacheco. You know, that's an area that he flashed early on in camp and that might be a way for him to stick on the roster while he waits for the inevitable Clyde Edwards, Alaire injury. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope he has a great year. 
You know, yeah. Vegas set his over-under for rushing yards this year at 650 yards. That's just flat-out disrespectful for a starting running back in the league. I think uh, um, Brandon Kiley, BK, uh, tweeted out that 30 running backs last year had over 650 yards. <laughs> so Man. it's like, I mean, Vegas is is not bullish on what, or on what Clyde is going to do this year. But, you know, Pacheco's got a chance to stick on the roster and make an impact there um, while he waits for his opportunity. In non-Chiefs news, to close out our news, news, news segment, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, who is represented by agent Lamar Jackson, <laughs> has set a deadline of Friday to negotiate an extension with the Ravens prior to the start of the season. Otherwise, he will play out the final year of his deal and presumably would get franchise tag next season. That has not happened with a quarterback since Kirk Cousins played on the tag two years in a row for Washington some years ago before he ended up in Minnesota. This comes after a report this morning that barring a major change, no deal would get done. So it sounds like Agent Lamar was maybe extending the self-imposed deadline, you know, sort of responding to this report that said, ah, Agent Lamar and the team aren't close. And Agent Lamar pushed the deadline back to Friday. And he said, I'll keep negotiating with you. Now, I should add that Agent Lamar was asked about this today and was asked, does that mean the sides are close? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on, but this is a hilarious situation as a Chiefs fan to observe. Do you think Lamar affixes a fake mustache before he walks into Eric DaCosta's oh, office? He and he's like, listen, I got to I got to work out a deal for my guy and just just like completely changes personas. That would be that would be fun. Um it's just, it's so funny to me that, you know, Lamar has had, of all the young quarterbacks so far in the league, basically all the quarterbacks that have come up after Patrick Mahomes that have been very successful, which there are a stable of, unfortunately. But Lamar's the one with the MVP. He's the one with the, I would say, the one skill the that no one else NFL has. Or the, the, the top NFL 100 player award. The, he has an NFL 100 number one award. He... He definitely, he definitely has a lot of uniqueness to his career so far. And adding this whole, like not having an agent and negotiating what should be $240, $50 million contract. I mean, to do that on his own without any professional experience, figuring out NFL contracts and without having any type of like, I don't know what his support system's like, but if he's got like an agent friend that's helping him through the whole process, why isn't that guy just his agent? You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's got to be, yeah. it, it doesn't sound like he's paying anybody to do this job for him. And I just don't get it. I don't get any, I don't get any part of it. I don't understand why the Ravens wouldn't have just been like, buddy, like we get it. You're trying to be independent or frugal or trying to save yourself on the agent fees right yeah like, yeah like whatever whatever motivation you have it's going to end up costing you money and possibly career you know your the direction of your career like think about if patrick mahomes didn't have an agent i know like nothing that he's accomplished so far financially would have gotten done at all no offense right. to patrick but that's how this goes and I just can't believe that's the decision that Lamar Jackson and whoever is helping him make decisions came to because it's preposterous. It is preposterous. And thank God that we don't have to imagine Patrick Mahomes not having an agent and negotiating the deal. God it, bless you, Lee Steinberg. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Lee did great for Lee and he did great for Pat and he yeah. did great for the Chiefs. So, yes. so that is a win-win-win. It worked yes. out for everybody. Lee got paid, Pat got paid, and the Chiefs got their quarterback for 10 years. 
And, you know, Lamar probably should just hire an agent. We've got a couple of mailbag questions, Taylor, and these are pulled from our, you know, store of mailbag. And we decided to throw them in here, you know, before we get into the season. These are sort of setting the table for the year that is to come. And to set the tone first, we've got one from our main man, Corey, the artist chief. King of the birds of war. Sorry, Jordan. King of the birds of war for a day, at least. Question for the podcast. If you held a birds of war training camp, what competitions would there be? I love this. So we definitely have to have some type of improv class based on roasting where you, they know they've got to roast somebody, but you give them the subject of the roast like one mm, second before sure. they've got to do right. it, you know? Except so they've got to just, roasting, yep. yeah, exactly. They've got to have all the ammo at their disposal and whoever can come up with the, the biggest zingers right away. There are, there are roast Kings. I've also got a chief's history pop quiz. Cause you've got to be able to know something about the team. If, if sure. it's a of birds of war, um, you know, birds of war training camp, then, no better focus than chief's history. Uh, but of course that wouldn't be complete without, uh, I, I thought at first of doing sunny trivia too, but I think it would be important to do. And it's always sunny in chief's kingdom episode mm. trivia huh. where yeah, sure. it's a little, instead of just asking them about a show, you ask them about the pod and, and, you know, what are some of our past the show takes within or, the show. Exactly. How many guests can they name in 15 seconds that we've had on the pod? Stuff like that. You know, real, I think I real good that. quick fire trivia there. Um, I also want to see who can comprehend new content, audio content at the fastest possible speeds. So if you give them like a 30 second clip of at times 10 speed and then see how many words of that they can pick out, because you've got to be able to input this pod quickly. You've got to be able to digest. And and if you can crank up the speed and let it go in one ear and out the other uh, and pull some of that, then, you know, that's a pretty valuable skill for a podcast listener. And then finally, we would end with spreads. <laughs> I love it. That's good. I Those are all great. To that, I would add, you know, taking a nod from it's always sunny and the game of games, Charlie McDennis. You know, I think that there are some, some levels that we could bring into this. I really think that uh, in particular level two, the body, the physical challenge, pain and endurance, I think that would be, that would be a good one. But level three is what I'm really interested in uh, spirit level, which is emotional battery and public humiliation. This goes along with the spirit of your improvisational roasting idea. But I think like, I mean, listen, this podcast is basically built as a vehicle to talk shit on John Elway. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we could make mm -hmm. that its own category. I mean, mm -hmm. like we're talking about how many John Elway facts do you remember? How, <laughs> how much can you humiliate John Elway? Like just how low can we go? Just getting really down deep into the mud. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, I think this is great. And I think honestly, we should definitely work on doing something like this next year. It's an amazing idea. Great question, Corey. Uh, really appreciate that. Take care, buddy. We've got one from another one of our loyal listeners and Birds of War who put us on the map in the great country of Poland. PKF, Polish Chiefs fan, rank the following possibilities based on how much joy they'd bring you. Okay. This is, this is interesting. So we've got seven options here that we have to rank. Chiefs win the division again. Chiefs host the AFC Championship again. Chiefs sweep the Broncos again. Chargers beat the Chiefs once but failed to make the playoffs. Again. Yeah, again. That happened last year. Uh, Bills beat the Chiefs in the regular season but lose to them in the playoffs again. Bengals beat the Chiefs in the regular season but this time lose to them in the playoffs. And finally, the offense doesn't skip a beat without Tyreek Hill. 
this is tough. Give me your rankings first. So, uh, obviously, with the number one thing that could bring joy, that would be the Super Bowl, right? And so none of these have the Super Bowl in them, but one of them is very close, and that would be the Chiefs hosting the AFC Championship game again, which means it doesn't really matter how they got there. Doesn't really matter if the offense is clicking. It doesn't really matter who they beat. Doesn't really matter anything. If they are hosting the AFC Championship again, they're one win away from the Super Bowl, and everything else kind of worked out. So I am going to rank that as my number one. That's my number one as well. Um, I think from there, it's really hard to, for me between the offense doesn't skip a beat without Hill and the Chiefs win the division. And I think part of that is me being a little bit. Um, early season just annoyed with these other division opponents because of how just delusional they are, basically. And so I've been thinking about this AFC West for a lot these last couple weeks. So I do think that in hindsight, maybe this would change. But right now, if I'm going to ask, I think that winning the division goes right under the offense doesn't skip a beat without Hill. So I have got that Hill 2, Division 3. I think I've got if they're winning the division, you know, some of these wins are against the Broncos and the and the Chargers. Um, those right. kind of all wrap up into you're trying to game the system a little bit. But <laughs> ex- I, I respect that. I respect exactly that. right. So I'm gonna go with the Bills next. And the reason I'm gonna say that is because if the Bills are a playoff victory, that is the number one obstacle in the AFC between us and the Super Bowl, between the Chiefs and the Super Bowl. So I would go with the Bills. Uh, losing to the Chiefs in the playoffs is my number four. And then I've got to pick the Broncos as five because that streak is going to lose, going to end at some point, but I'm going to hate it when it does. Uh, and so then six, I'm going to have the Chargers one. The Chargers beat the Chiefs once, but they failed to make the playoffs because that's just hilarious based on all their talent. And then finally is the Bengals one. I'm not really not really that into the Bengals right now. Oh, I man. feel like I feel like they were one hit wonder and like I just don't think they're going to be a problem. So it's not okay. really going to bring me a ton of joy as much as this other stuff was. All so. right. Well, I agree with you on the first one. Chiefs hosting the AFC Championship yeah. game again for me has to be number 1. Five straight AFC Championship games at Arrowhead. First of all would be bananas. That's never yes. ever happened. It's Four's never, never happened. happened. Four times. <laughs> yeah. To push it to 5 would be completely unprecedented in mm-hmm. the history of the NFL. And it's one step away from the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. you are right that when approaching this exercise, the big prize is the Super Bowl. Whatever gets you closest to that is important. So for me, I initially had the offense doesn't skip a beat without Hill as number two, but I've I've downgraded it to four because two okay. of these involve playoff wins. Playoff wins move mm. you closer to the ultimate prize of winning the Super Bowl. So for me, that's good. Bills and Bengals, I'm trying to decide between those two. So it's either Bills beat the Chiefs in the regular season but lose to them in the playoffs again, or Bengals beat the Chiefs in the regular season but lose to them in the playoffs. You're right that the Bills are a better team, and beating them in the playoffs is a larger accomplishment. And that probably is the correct choice, but I have been going back and forth with Bengals (laughs) fans all day today on Twitter, and they are driving me nuts. Sure. So I have Bengals beat the Chiefs in the regular season, which – those counting at home would make Joe Burrow three and zero against mm-hmm. the Chiefs, and then losing to them in the playoffs. That is what I have as number two. Okay. That would be extremely satisfying to me. I agree with you that they are also Rams, and they are probably going to regress. I actually had them missing the playoffs entirely when we did our season predictions yeah. last week, but that would bring me a tremendous amount of joy. So then at number three, I have 
Chiefs beating the Bills in the playoffs after losing to them in the regular season. Because again, it's a playoff win. Beating the Bills in the playoffs is always great. I mean, that would be if Chiefs would be three and zero against Josh oh. Allen in the playoffs, which would be hilarious. I mean, they would <laughs> and three never, years in a row exactly, and they would never recover from that. I no. mean, like th- that would well, almost be worse than them. We're talking about the franchise that lost four <laughs> Super Bowls in a row. But I was I, like, well, it would be devastating. But they've been through. <laughs> they, they've, they've, uh, they've definitely survived some pretty humiliating defeats. So Some I have number packs. four, the offense doesn't skip a beat without Hill because okay. I agreed that that is, I mean, it's important for bragging rights. It's important to push back against the internet trolls and the haters that say the Patrick Mahomes can't get done without Tyreek. But it's also important to the overall outlook of the season that the offense yeah. doesn't regress. That's I don't I, think that they I mean. will. So I don't know that that brings me much additional joy, but I have it at number four. Mm-hmm. I also had Chiefs sweeping the Broncos again at number five. I mean, like, it'll be great. Um, but at this point, Chiefs are playing with house money. They've already built a significant lead in the overall head-to-head standings against the Broncos. You know, I, I mean, sweeping them again after they went out and got Russell Wilson and paid him a ton yeah. of money. Yeah. No, maybe I should move that up to four. I'm moving that up to four. I'm moving <laughs> the offense doesn't skip a beat yeah, without sure. Hill down to five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, six, the Chargers beating the Chiefs once but failing to make the playoffs. You know, the Chargers falling short of the playoffs doesn't bring me a tremendous amount of joy. Um, because I would kind of like to beat the chargers in the playoffs and, but I, I, I get it. Like that doesn't, that doesn't advance the cause of the chiefs in particular, other than we don't have to play the chargers in the playoffs, which yeah, we were listening to the pod at the end of last year. You know, that we were rooting heavily for the chargers not to make the playoffs we were. for that exact reason to not have we to were. play Justin Herbert. So that would, that would advance the cause of the chiefs. It's a uh, six for me. I have chiefs winning the division again at number seven. I, I just, um, I, don't get me wrong. I'll be extremely happy when the Chiefs win the division again. I predicted it in our prediction show. I'm expecting it to happen. Is that uh, but why it know, doesn't bring I mean, much joy because it's an yeah, expectation? It's because it's an expectation. It, that's that's, that's why fair. it doesn't bring a lot of joy to me because I expect the Chiefs to win the division. I expect the Chiefs to make the playoffs. Even if they don't win the division, I'm expecting them to make the playoffs. So that one doesn't bring me a lot of joy. But don't get me wrong. It would still bring me a lot of joy. It was a great question, PKS. I hope all of these things happen and we can just just beat everybody in the playoffs and host the AFC championship game again and sweep the Broncos and win the division. And then we'll just tack on the big one at the end, win the Super Bowl. Hmm. Let's do that. Football fans. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving new customers a can't miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. As an added bonus for week one, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. And if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid out instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, lately, I've been listening to a lot of NFL podcasts in preparation for the season, and one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. 
They're priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews online. With features like three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap function, and noise isolation, they're great for anyone who listens to a lot of music, audio books, books, or of course, podcast content. Go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Taylor, we're here. We did it. We're previewing an NFL game. Woo! Chiefs of Cardinals, 325 Arrowhead time. Let's get into it. It's, it's here. Football's back. We're ready to go. I missed it so much. So we obviously have done almost nothing but talk about the Chiefs on this podcast over the course of this long offseason. We've talked <laughs> for two years. Length. That's all. That's all we've done. <laughs> we've talked at length about the tremendous changes that this roster has been through, mm-hmm. and you know what the offense will look like without Tyree Kill, what the defense will look like without Tyron Matthew, without Dan Sorensen, all those <laughs> key contributors on that side of the ball, <laughs> all those rookies in there. But I think it's worth noting once more before we get into this, what we expect the opening lineup to look like on Sunday and how that compares to last year. So just made a handy dandy little chart here. We'll go through it. Quarterback, obviously no change. Patrick Mahomes. The starting running back will be Clyde Edwards-Alaire, same as last year. At wide receiver, the Chiefs starters opening day of last year were Tyree Kill, Demarcus Robinson, and McCole Hardman. Somehow Demarcus Robinson was his starter for the Chiefs sure. last year. Uh, this year, they'll roll out Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and the wide receiver three, the Chiefs have five wide receivers, the wide receiver two at each of the two starting spots listed on the depth chart because, you know, that's how depth charts work in the NFL. It's a little bit antiquated. Uh, McCole Hardman is listed as wide receiver two behind MBS, and Sky Moore is listed as the wide receiver two behind Juju Smith-Schuster. So they're really like a wide receiver three slash four. They're sort of in a tie right now, according mm-hmm. to the depth chart that the Chiefs put out. It could be McCole Hardman, which would be one starter carried over from last year. It could be Sky Moore. Tight end will be the same. Travis Kelsey, obviously. Goat. Left tackle, left guard, center, and right guard, all the same. Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith. And at right tackle, last year the Chiefs did start Lucas Niang in week one. This year it will be Andrew Wiley. So some turnover on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, and the Chiefs did, to underscore how healthy they are, knock on wood, coming Uh into week one this year, did have some injuries last year. Frank Clark was out week one, and the starters at defensive end for the Chiefs were Mike Dana, who is expected to start, and Chris Jones, the ill-fated Chris Jones' defensive end effort. Uh, this year, it'll be Frank and Mike Dana. So, you know, essentially probably what they would have rolled out last year if Frank had been healthy and they yeah. hadn't been playing Chris Jones out of position at defensive end. Defensive tackle last year was Jerron Reed and Deshaun Wharton. Those were the starters in week one. I would expect on Sunday the starters to be Derek Nottie and Chris Jones. So, I mean, technically, both of there. all all of both of those guys were on the team last year. This is kind of more of a, a guys who are not here, although Trishon Warden's still here. Yeah. But uh, a little bit of a change over there. At linebacker, Willie Gay was hurt last year in week one. So oh, he yeah. did not he did not start, but it's not clear that he would have started even if he had been healthy. These were the chief starters at linebacker last year. Anthony Hitchens, who by the way is still unemployed as of Wednesday, September seventh with the start of the NFL season uh, tomorrow in less than 24 hours. Anthony Hitchens, unsigned. No one's interested in him. He was the Chiefs starter and had the green dot last year in week one. 
Uh, ben Neiman was the mm. other starting linebacker. And Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton will start on Sunday. Nick Bolton's solid. We love Nick Bolton. Willie Gay will start on Sunday. Love Willie Gay. He's we solid. Do. He's going to be good. Rookie Leo Chanel is listed as linebacker one. Your prediction is that it is going to be Elijah Lee elevated and is going to be the starter on Sunday. But either way, that's a position group with some huge massive rate. turnover. And yes. hopefully – Big upgrades there. At cornerback, yeah. Legereus Sneed and Traverius Ward. Traverius Ward is gone, replaced by Trent McDuffie. Legereus Sneed still here. And week one last year, Honey Badger was out with COVID. Uh, yeah. So the starters last year were Juan Thornhill, who will start on Sunday, and Dan Sorensen, who will not start for the Chiefs. He is on the New Orleans Saints. I can't imagine they'll crack the starting lineup. Nope. But Justin Reed will be replacing him. So even accounting for injuries, I mean, you're looking at out of the 22 starters on both sides of the ball – that's essentially 10 guys that didn't start week one last year. Now, understanding that, you know, a lot of these guys were on the team last year, there's still at least five guys starting on Sunday that literally were not on the team last year. Yeah. And some of those guys were not in the league last year because they were playing in college. So, you know, first takeaway from this game, and I know we talked about this before preseason week one, but this is really it. This is our first chance to see, you know, all of these guys in a Chiefs uniform in a game that counts where they're playing at hundred percent full speed, full go the real playbook for the first time. That is exciting stuff. It's super exciting. It's, it's what you wait for from the moment that final zeros ticked off the clock, or I guess it was overtime. So not zeros, but uh, in the AFC championship game and you know, the next moment you look forward to is when games matter again and everything else is just all preamble for that. And it's, there's so much preamble and there's always so much preamble. And to finally get to this point is, I mean, I feel energized as a fan. I feel like this is the time of the year where if you're not juiced about the Chiefs right now, like you don't care about them, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's going to be great to see how the young guys fit. It's going to be great to see some of the, you know, I mean, Juju's 25, but he's a veteran. He's been in the league six years. and. Yeah. And he has a lot to prove. And he's a guy that I definitely am looking forward to seeing kind of, I, I hate to say how much is left in the tank for a 25 year old, but like how much of what we saw was struggles due to injuries that he says he's hundred percent healthy from, which I expect to be quite a bit of his struggles were related to that. And so he's an exciting player for sure. Um, Justin Reed's really exciting to me. I mean, that's, that's a guy that, yeah. you know, is, Absolutely. it was coming in to replace this, what would be a good word for Tyron Matthew, man? Mercurial. Mercurial is a great word. Good pull. Nailed it. And and Matthew was a guy that his orbit was just so big and everyone was always paying attention to him and stuff. And now those shoes are being filled by a guy that hasn't really had a lot of attention paid to him yeah, in Justin Reed professionally, but he's incredibly talented and a really good dude. Um, speaking of the safeties, by the way, Dan Sorensen is listed as the third safety, third strong safety in New Orleans behind <laughs> Marcus May and JT Gray. You know, uh, all right, sure, yeah, well, right. So that's how much the Chiefs last year. Yes, that's how much the Chiefs have improved the safety room, and and it's just there's so much improvement all around the board. There's nowhere other than Tyree Kill that I think that the Chiefs are not in a better spot this year than they were last year across the board. 22 starters, and I've got 21 of them as either the same or better. And then, yes, I'm a really big fan of Juju, but obviously you can't deny the the talent that is Tyreek Hill. So it's just – it feels like they they constructed a roster that's ready to p compete for a Super Bowl again, and I can't wait to see them start it.
let's talk about the I almost said the St. Louis Cardinals. God forbid. Never will sure, we talk never about again. St. Louis Cardinals on this <laughs> podcast. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, who used to be the St. Louis Cardinals back when they were very bad. This is a team that the Chiefs do not see very often. They last played them in November of 2018. For those of you that may remember, the Chiefs won that game handily, 26-14, to 14, and Patrick Mahomes set the Chiefs' single-season touchdown record. This was uh, the first game of November. Uh, less than one minute of the game on a 37-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek ran and filmed from the camera, uh-huh. got penalized for that. The Chiefs are 9-3-1 and one against the Cardinals all time, but obviously this is a very different Cardinals team from the one that the Chiefs played four years ago. The coach at that time was Steve Wilkes. The quarterback was Josh Rosen. They were both replaced after that season uh, by Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, respectively. The Cardinals went 11-6 and six last year, but this was a team that, just choked unbelievably hard a team that started 10 and two and was in the pole position for the one seed in the NFC and ended up not even taking the division. And they end up 11 and six losing to the Rams in the wild card round 34 to 14. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. I got boat raced. I mean, they, you know, they've ended slowly. We've covered this a couple times on the pod in the past, but they've ended slowly every year of Cliff Kingsbury's tenure there. And it's, I mean, I would rather play them in week 16 than week one. I'll tell you that much because they certainly don't seem like they have been prepared so far to finish a season out. Uh, but, you know, I guess the the contrast to that is they're at least coming into this game a little bit banged up. So maybe that's uh, maybe that evens themselves out. Well, let's talk about that, because as you mentioned, they they have tended to struggle down the stretch under Cliff. Uh, their combined record in December and January uh, in his tenure is six and 11. That includes a two and four stretch in December and January last year. Brutal. They are two Oh and one in season <laughs> openers. They have never <laughs> lost a season opener under cliff Kingsbury. Uh, the chiefs have the longest active opening day win streak in the NFL, by the way. So that's, you know, strength. And, on strength, iron against eight iron. and one eight in and time one. in Kansas city in exactly. openers. And I believe seven straight, uh, seven uh, straight and five and Oh on the road in openers. This year, it does feel like a good time to get the Cardinals early. They they have struggled late in the year. They have been stronger statistically earlier in the season. But this year, DeAndre Hopkins suspended. He will not play. Zach Ertz and Rondale Moore had some injury scares. They are both practicing this week. It looks like they'll be back. But unlike the Chiefs, the Cardinals injury report this week is lengthy. Uh, J.J. Watt who obviously is a huge part of their pass rush with Chandler Jones gone. He did not practice on Wednesday with a calf injury. Uh, Their center, Rodney Hudson, former chief, did not practice. It was listed on the injury report as a rest day, but he is hurt. Cliff Kingsbury (laughs) called him a game-time decision. So in addition to it being a rest day, he's resting because he's injured. Yeah, sure. Makes sense. Cornerback Trayvon Mullen and linebacker Marcus Golden also both did not practice with toe injuries, and they had a number of guys who are limited as well. So I guess to return to your question, you know, given all of that information, is this a good time maybe to be catching the Cardinals? Sure. It does feel like it. Um, And they're a team that relies a lot on their offensive firepower. They're not really a strong. I I mean, I guess they've had a good defense in the last couple of years, but um, sneaky, good defense, sneaky, good defense, but not what you think of when you think their headliners are certainly their offensive side of the ball. And they just feel like a group right now, especially um, 
you know, they they traded for Hollywood Brown. And they, like you said, without missing De- or without having DeAndre Hopkins, you don't really know who like their alpha dog playmaker is. Obviously, Chase Edmonds, a very dynamic running back, is now in Miami. So they're going to rely on James Conner a lot from the running back spot. It just it feels like they probably don't have as much of an identity on offense yet. And so it does feel like other than just their normal uh, start off strong stuff that it, they might be uh, ripe week one. Yeah, that's obviously the hope for the Chiefs. And obviously the Chiefs, as we mentioned, have been very strong in season openers. But we know both teams are different. We know how much the Chiefs have changed over. We've talked about that at length. But the Cardinals have had some turnover as well. You mentioned, obviously, Chase Edmonds is gone. Their top receiver from last year, uh, Christian Kirk, reset mm-hmm. the wide receiver market in that. Jacksonville. They lost Chandler Jones, their star pass rusher and free agency, to the Raiders. And they added Hollywood Brown for a first round pick. Uh, I mean, gut reaction. And obviously we don't closely follow the NFC uh, and we don't closely follow this Cardinals team, but gut reaction is this Cardinals team better or worse than last year, which Cardinals team last year, are we comparing them to because they certainly felt like a great team when they started 10 and two. And if they're the team that finished the year two and four, then I mean, that's about what I feel like about this team. I don't think I don't see this group of Cardinals being capable of going on winning 10 out of 12 games in a row. Um, you know, I mean, Buda Baker is a really, really nice player in their secondary. And but without Chandler Jones and just they, they feel like they've lost some some spark and. Uh, yeah, I think gut feeling they are much closer to the end of year swoon roster talent than they are the beginning lava hot one. Well, let's turn to 2021, which obviously isn't incredibly predictive, but it's week one of 2022. It's all we have. This is, this is the best we can do. It's all we have, uh, to be able to sort of try and predict, uh, what's going to happen. And there are a lot of key components here that are the same. So the quarterbacks, obviously the same Mahomes, Kyler Murray, the play callers, Cliff Kingsbury, Andy Reid. on mm-hmm. the defensive side of the ball, Steve Spagnuolo and Vance Joseph are still there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of continuity just in terms of the key components. So looking at how the two teams stack up, looking at DVOA, which is one of our uh, favorite metrics here, overall, Kansas city was seventh in DVOA last year. They finished the year sixth in weighted DVOA. So they, they were a little bit stronger than their overall rating. Arizona was 10th overall in DVOA. They were 16th weighted. So, And just remind the listeners on weighted, that puts more emphasis on the end of the year, right? Correct. Weighted puts more emphasis on more recent performances. So in the case of Kansas City, slightly better uh, performances at the end of the season relative to the season as a whole. The Cardinals significantly worse at the end of the year than <laughs> sure. uh, compared to their overall output. Uh, on offense, Kansas City was third in DPOA, which is just sort of par for the course. That's sort of their floor in the Patrick Mahomes era. Arizona was surprisingly 15th, middle of the pack. Defense, Kansas City was 24th which honestly feels a little bit generous um, considering how they performed at times last year. Arizona was sixth, which (laughs) I would not have expected, but Arizona had a very strong defensive performance by DVOA last year. And you kind of already alluded to it. I mean, is it surprising to you when I tell you that the Cardinals were like a top six defense last year? Uh, Surprising that they were as high as sixth. I knew that they had some talent and I knew that they put it together um, really well against the, especially a couple bad teams early on when they compiled that really good record. Uh, I would not have put them as high as sixth, but I probably would have put them around 10th. I mean, I knew they had a decently solid one. Yeah. So when the chiefs have the ball, 
Uh, last year, the Chiefs were third in passing DVOA. They were 10th in rush DVOA and, again, third overall. But obviously, huge changes to the Chiefs offense and really just, just to the wide receiver room. No Tyree Kill uh, obviously changes everything. It changes how defenses are going to play them. It changes how they are going to attack defenses. And this Cardinals defense, uh, sixth overall, fifth against the pass and sixth against the run. So balanced, good against both. Obviously, they lost Chandler Jones, who's a big I mean, he's, he's a great player. He was a great mm-hmm. player last year. He's been, he's literally like, he is probably the poster child for a successful player that left the Patriots and was still good. And he might yeah. be the only one, might be but the he's only been, one. he's been great. He was great throughout his entire tenure in Arizona. Let's hope he the- won't be great ever again. Yeah, he probably won't be because he signed with the Raiders. Uh, their defensive coordinator is Vance Joseph. And obviously the Chiefs are familiar with him from his tenure with the Broncos. The Chiefs never really put up huge numbers against the Broncos and his Bronco defenses, which he was sort of indirectly designing and coordinating. Uh, even though the chiefs obviously swept fans, Joseph, and they were four and zero against him as a head coach um, in Denver. But on the other hand, counterpoint week one, Andy Reid, what are you expecting when the chiefs have the ball? Well, the chiefs are wanting, they're going to want to come out and test drive some stuff test some things that they didn't show in preseason, but that they've been waiting to try against an actual NFL defense basically since they got this personnel together. And I'm not saying that has to be Rose bowl. I'm not saying it has to be something insane, but they're, they've got certain looks and certain formations and certain route combinations that they haven't used yet. They haven't shown on film and they're dying to use them. I just know they are. And so I expect the reason that Andy Reid has been so, so, so successful in first week games and off of bye weeks, really anytime he gets a little time to prepare, he's like Batman, is just because <laughs> he has such a good mind for how to put together a game plan. Game planning is like his his superpower. Of, of any superpower he has, that's it. And that I expect no different this time around. He hasn't shown anything throughout his career that he's going to now stop doing extremely well in that category this year. So uh, I expect the chiefs to put up a crap load of points and I don't expect even with the Cardinals, even if they had a great defense, I just don't think anybody is stopping week one, Andy Reid offenses. Not that I can tell. So your prediction is when the chiefs have the ball, a lot of points and a lot, uh, you know, like in the forties, I mean, I think they're going to, I think they're going to do anything they want to in Arizona. I, I think I agree with you. I think, um, you know, something we've teased, and I know you talked uh, to Dan Harms about this when I was on vacation, you know, what, what oh, we're expecting from the, uh, from the Chiefs this year in terms of the offensive design. I'm really excited to see if they dust off the screen game in week yeah. one. I think that this Cardinals team is vulnerable to being attacked in the screen game. And I think the Chiefs, you know, they, they've got four running backs. They probably won't have four running backs active. But I think each of the guys that they have, brings a little something to the table. Clyde obviously has uh, the pedigree as a receiver. So does Jarek McKinnon. Isaiah Pacheco, you know, he was running some screens in training camp and he's got pop. He's got juice. Yeah. I think I'm really excited to see that. Uh, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast for as long as we've been doing this podcast. The infamous, famous, vaunted Andy Reid screen game has been, you know, it's been a little dormant. And mm-hmm. now they're coming back with essentially the exact same offensive line as last year. They have, almost total offensive line continuity and a lot of continuity in the running back room. Those are the things you need to be successful in the screen game. And they've got guys that can absolutely ball 
and maul people yeah. on the offensive line, yeah. which is critical to the success of the screen game. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how that looks. I mean, week one, Andy Reid is always a pleasure. Uh, it's even more of a pleasure when he's got Patrick Mahomes. And it's even more enticing and intriguing when he's got all these new wide receivers to play around with. It's going to be fascinating. On the other side, when the Cardinals have the ball, the Cardinals offense last year was ninth in passing DVOA. So top 10, pretty effective uh, when Kyler Murray was dropping back. They were actually 22nd in rushing DVOA, which uh, surprised me a little bit because the winner of our Dynasty League had James Conner. Mm-hmm. And I was extremely per- perturbed and annoyed. And I mean, just free RB1 that fell into Marshall's lap. I mean, right. come on. Right. Come on. Chase Edmond gets hurt early on. Chase my team well he had four net too it was never yeah and well, Cup I, mean, and, I mean like he had like four diamonds in the rough that's all at what's once. ridiculous the four yeah. nets another one i mean he literally was on the trash heap he got cut two years ago and then yeah. you know suddenly he's an rb1 with the uh with the buccaneers uh i was a little bit surprised by this the chiefs uh balanced on defense uh bad against the pass 23rd and bad against the run 22nd so they did finish the year and this surprised me a little bit but uh, the chiefs did have some strong defensive performances kind of in the middle of the year uh Mm -hmm. they finished 13th in weighted defensive dvoa so they actually were they were trending in the right direction uh but again weighted dvoa places more emphasis on more recent results it doesn't mean the most recent game they were not good in the playoffs and they really weren't i mean you know they obviously had a very strong performance against ben roethlisberger in the first round sure yeah he did that barely counts yeah. He's not even a real quarterback and he's retired now. Yeah. But obviously not good against the Bengals either game. <laughs> not good against the Bills. Um, extenuating circumstances there, obviously, with uh with Tyron not being able to play, but still uh a tough defensive effort by the Chiefs at the end of the year. It unfortunately is not a uh, double XP weekend on COD this weekend. <laughs> so we are uh, uh expecting to see the best version of Kyler Murray. So good. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with that joke, uh, somebody did the research on Reddit. If you just Google Kyler Murray Cod, somebody ran the numbers, and Kyler Murray is statistically worse when there is a double XP weekend on Cod. The implication being that Kyler Murray plays way too much Cod, which is why they put in his contract that he had to study for three hours every week, and then they took it out because there was a great public backlash. What are you expecting to see when the Cardinals have the ball? Well, I, I certainly wish Call of Duty could get with the program and, I mean, seriously, and on, put your double XP weekends every weekend and just see what happens to him. But um, no, yeah, it would, I, fascinating. <laughs> it would if they just trolled the Cardinals. And uh, I, you know, this isn't a knock on the Chiefs defense, but you have to remember in NFL games that the other side is paid money to and they're professionals and they are talented and. I, I see this as being a really big opportunity for the Cardinals offense to, you know, hang with the premier offense in football and to go out there and Cliff Kingsbury knows Patrick Mahomes really well. So he will be, you know, obviously very motivated to go out there and, and show his old quarterback from Texas Tech that like, hey, the old man still got it, so to speak, even though Cliff Kingsbury is what, like 20? Like he's not old by any means, but um you know, I expect the Chiefs defense, maybe with a couple rookies and some new pieces uh, to flash, but not to be consistent, especially early on. And when you've got Kyler Murray running around back there, he's kind of a, a Lamar Jackson light, so to speak. He's very, very, very fast and he has a rocket arm and he's going to be able Lamar. to. 
yeah, exactly. He's going to be able to make some plays against the Chiefs defense that he's going to make against every NFL defense, no matter how good or bad they are. So I don't expect the Chiefs to put up a ton of great, flashy, amazing defensive performances this week. I think it's going to be a game where the Chiefs put so much pressure on the Cardinals' de- offense by scoring all the time that the Cardinals are going to push the, the envelope and they're going to go for it on – Third and fourth, you know, we see teams do this all the time against the Chiefs where they know they've got to keep up with them scoring. So they become they push the pedal and analytics will tell you that pushing the pedal on offense is what you're supposed to do. I mean, you're supposed to very rarely punt, always go for it on fourth on one and stuff like that. And so, you know, the Chiefs kind of bring that unintentionally out in their opponents just by being so damn good themselves. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think the Cardinals are going to score like I think it's going to be like a. 42 35 33 type of game where the Cardinals are going to do their thing, but not as well as the Chiefs. Uh, save your official predictions until the end. Come on, it's week well, one. Yeah, I said like, like, give well, an exact okay. all right, that's fine. Score you just gave a little teaser, and that's yeah. Fine. So, turning to special teams, the great X factor <laughs> Kansas City <laughs> was third in special teams last year, they have been top you know, one or two, I think the lowest ranking that they've had in special teams in the Dave Tobe era. I don't have it in front of me because they did not prepare for this, but I believe it's eighth sure. in special teams DVOA. And that is since 2013, which is preposterous. Yeah. I know we like to rag on Dave Tobe, but the man does tend to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, the chiefs are obviously very good on special teams coverage. They allowed their first return touchdown ever under Dave Tobe last year. So they've allowed one since 2013. Kansas City was third in special teams DVOA last year. Arizona was 20th. So that's a big gap. Arizona definitely decidedly below average. Kansas City elite to very good under Dave Tobe every year. But I think it's an open question that we've been asking for months now. How the Chiefs special teams side of the ball will shake out because they've lost a lot of their key contributors. We did an article last year, our last article for SI RIP (laughs) about Dave's Tobes control over the roster. And we identified, you know, how many players he was essentially getting onto the roster versus other teams in the league. And the answer was a lot last year. He had Marcus Kemp, Dorian O'Daniel, Armani Watts, and Ben Neiman, all of whom playing over 64% of special team snaps last year all of whom are now gone. Dorian O'Daniel played 79% of the special team snaps last year. Marcus Kemp had 73.6. Armani Watts had 66.8. Those were the Chiefs' top three guys in special team snaps, and Ben Neiman was fifth. So the only guy from the top five last year in special team snaps who is still here is tight end Noah Gray. And you have to feel like you know his role, especially with Blake Bell being on yeah. IR, could grow a little bit. And yeah. so... I mean, his role on offense and that correspondingly would, would, would presumably cause his special teams role to shrink. So do you have, uh, you have any thoughts, any predictions for the uh, special teams battle on Sunday? Well, first of all, do you remember what team Ben even signed with? I, I actually don't. Did he say Arizona Cardinals? Cardinals. Yes, oh my did. God. So he's going to be. How have we gone this deep into the show without a Ben Neiman revenge <laughs> game? Revenge game. Well, it's also a Demetrius Harris revenge game. He's their oh, tight end three. So oh, we've boy, got I, some. I dropped the ball on that one. We've got some old friends on the other side of the field this week. Boy, um, it is. There is a lot of unknown quantities with this Chiefs special teams. Now, I will admit like a lot of football fans that throughout the history of my time being a fan of the chiefs, I haven't always known going into the year who the 
who the roster was constructed of that was had special teams guys. That's never really been much of a, a focus for most fans. So that being said, I don't really remember as a fan how much construction of the special teams is done on the fly, especially like, sure. let's say, in the Dave Tobe era. I don't know most of these years going into it who all ha had experience in the chief special teams department before the year started. What I do know is that Dave Tobe constructed very, very elite special teams units year after year. Sometimes he probably had very little turnover. Sometimes he probably did have a lot of turnover. But the point is, the guy knows how to coach special teams. Like you said, we do give him some crap sometimes, but I'm not sure. If yeah, because his teams do do stupid shit. I mean, like, yeah, but every football player does stupid shit. Bringing like, the ball out of the end zone. I, I get it. I get it. You know, I don't know Dave, if that's Dave, Dave Tobe's fault. Yes, <laughs> Dave Tobe is elite at a lot of things. He and is. And so overall, the product is good. It so just, I don't you know, I don't think there's much that we can predict on the special teams going into week one. I don't think anybody really, including the Chiefs, has much of an idea of what they're going to be like out there. But I do expect them to improve as the year gets on. And I would expect them to end the year and not be a liability. But man, for week one, I mean, we could see some return guys fumble some stuff. We could see some missed you know, gunning assignments and miss blocking and anything that you would expect from a group that hasn't really done this very much, because you're right with all that, all those guys that were off the roster that were all taking the reps. Um, there's going to be some growing pains here. So what you're saying is there's a possibility that this game could uh, turn on a uh, Ben Neiman special teams turnover. For the Cardinals. No, I, I don't expect that. <laughs> all right, good. I don't expect that either. That brings us to the end of the show. It's time to predict what we think is going to happen on Sunday. Your official prediction for this game. My official prediction is Chiefs 41, Oof. Cardinals 30. Okay, so a high-scoring game, but Chiefs win pretty comfortably. Yes. I think the Chiefs are going to put up some numbers. 41 would be great. A week one 40-burger would... Uh, would go a long way towards silencing the critics and the haters, especially against a defense that finished top 10 last year. Although, you know, if JJ Watt can't find his way out there, you know, they'll find a way to put an asterisk on it, whatever. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to say does. Chiefs win this game 34 to 21. I, I have it a little bit lower scoring overall, but I think we both expect the Chiefs to win this game pretty handily. We were talking about this off air today. And I just am not worried about this Cardinals team. I hope I don't have to come back and eat those words next week. But we are expecting the Chiefs to win comfortably in week one of the 2022 football season. Football is back, and it's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Mm -hmm.